This is Ringler Radio, where you get all the latest news and information about structured settlements from experts across the U.S. Ringler Associates, celebrating 35 years of successfully helping injured people and their families. Ringler Radio is made possible in part by the life markets that issue structured settlement annuities, including Allstate, American General, Liberty Life, MetLife, New York Life, John Hancock, and Prudential. Now join Ringler Radio host Larry Cohen. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Ringler Radio. I'm Larry Cohn, the head of Ringler Associates Northeast Operations, and we're certainly glad you could join us again today. Well, our show is coming to you from the 2011 Ringler Associates Annual Meeting held in Newport Beach, California, and that's quite nice, warm, sunny weather compared to what I'm used to in, uh, in the Northeast these days. Well, Medicare set-asides in workers' compensation cases is our topic today, and uh, a very important topic, a very timely topic and joining me to uh, help in this particular show is my co-host and Ringler colleague, Angus Kennedy. Angus is an associate in the San Diego office with over 23 years of experience in the insurance and structured settlement industry, and his areas of specialty include workers' compensation cases involving Medicare approval, public entity cases, and catastrophic injury claims. Angus, welcome to Ringler Radio. It's always a pleasure to be on Ringler Radio with you, Larry, especially here in Southern California. Well, you know, Angus, I ought to, I ought to say welcome back to Ringler Radio because uh, this is not your first uh, first rodeo with us here, is it? It's not. It's my third time around, and I enjoy each and every experience. Well, we enjoy having you here. Well, our special guest is one of the most knowledgeable experts in the business. Haney Abdel-Sayed is the Director of Business Development at Rising Financial Solutions in Sacramento, California. Haney has 20 years of claims handling and related Medicare set-aside experience. He's also a certified subject matter expert and instructor for the Insurance Education Association. He's been invited to speak on Medicare secondary payer regulations by multiple insurance carriers, third-party administrators, and adjuster associations. Welcome to Ringler Radio, Haney. Thank you very much, Larry. It's a pleasure to be here. And hello, Angus. Good to uh, talk to you again. Thank you, Haney. Uh, Haney, for our listeners who may not be too familiar with Medicare set-asides and workers' comp uh, in particular, can you give us a brief explanation of how that all works? Absolutely. When the parties go to settle a work comp claim, uh, if the case fits or meets certain uh, criteria that has been laid out by Medicare, um, Medicare requires that their interests be taken into consideration. The Medicare set-aside has been recognized as a tool to protect Medicare's interests. It identifies the amount of the funds that are supposed to be set aside for uh, to cover the future medical care that is related to the specific claim that would otherwise be Medicare's responsibility. So the actual MSA or the Medicare set-aside would be the allocation report that is used to identify the amount of money from this settlement that is supposed to be set aside for this uh, future medical care. Haney, Am I right that the uh, the Medicare set-aside provision in itself is not part of the actual law, but it's it's more a, a custom and practice that was put into place and now has become uh, commonplace? Is that is that more properly correct? That is, that is absolutely correct. Uh, there is no legal requirement that says you must have a quote-unquote Medicare set-aside report, but over the years that has been the uh, the tool that has been recognized by both Medicare as well as the insurance industry as the way to 
demonstrate to Medicare that their interests have been taken into consideration and are being protected. Haney, when a case settles and includes a Medicare set-aside, what are the administration options that you offer? There are two options, and this has to be decided at the time of the settlement. One option is that the injured worker can self-administer their own Medicare set-aside fund. The other option is to uh, hire a professional administrator to manage and administer the uh, funds on behalf of the injured worker. What are the requirements for each of those particular choices? How, how, how is that decided? The CMS, which is the Center for Medicaid and Medicare Services, which is also Medicare, they've laid out very specific requirements uh, as far as administering your Medicare set-aside fund. Mm-hmm. The requirements, believe it or not, are the same, whether the account is self-administered by the injured worker or you hire a professional administrator. Interesting. Some of the requirements are paying for medical services and prescriptions that are both covered by Medicare as well as related to the claim. Some of the other requirements uh, state that the injured worker, as they go to pay for these services, are supposed to pay at the correct fee schedule, and they're supposed to know which fee schedule to pay at. Uh, and it's, it, Medicare says whatever fee schedule was used at the time of the Medicare set-aside when they put the report together, whether it's a Medicare fee schedule or a work comp fee schedule, or a usual and customary fee schedule, that's the fee schedule that the injured worker is supposed to pay at. So it can get a little bit complex for them. Sure. Another requirement is they have to show an accounting and a file a report each year with CMS to show where the money is going and what they're doing with it. So there are a few other requirements, but basically I want to kind of give an example that there are a number of requirements and they are the same for a professional administrator as they are for the self-administered claims are handled by the injured worker. And um, the injured worker oftentimes will find that not having much experience in this, that this could be get to be uh, rather challenging for them. Haney, how is an injured party supposed to know what to pay for out of his MSA? Uh, for example, you know, label prescriptions, medical services, et cetera. That's a great question. And that is a huge challenge for the injured workers. Uh, there isn't much out there available on the like the internet if they want to do their own research or something. For them to try and figure out what they're supposed to pay for, what they're not supposed to pay for, it is it's very difficult for the injured worker to try and figure it out on their own. Medicare hasn't come out with any uh detailed guidance for the injured workers so they know what they're supposed to do. Um but uh believe me from talking to injured workers and some of the cases that we handle ourselves these folks need a great deal of help. A lot of them have the best intentions to try and stay in compliance with Medicare, but they just don't know where to go to get these answers. Well, Haney, what you're really giving uh, credence to is the concept of, of maybe having somebody really with some expertise managing these these MSAs for these individuals. Uh, these self-administered programs, obviously, if a lot of folks really aren't privy to all those rules, can be somewhat nightmarish because doesn't it really matter what the injured party does with their MSA money. I mean, they, they have certain restrictions. They can't just go out there and spend it on whatever they wish. You're very, very correct. Um, any misappropriation of the funds, uh, whether it's intentional or not intentional, will affect uh, the injured worker's Medicare benefits, um, and it will have a trickle, down, trickle effect with the rest of the parties to the case, whether it's the carrier or the attorney, or whoever might be involved. So it really does matter what the injured worker does 
and uh, providing them some assistance or guidance is a, a, a very important uh, factor. No, no question. Haney, I would assume that there have been instances where people have misappropriated those funds and misspent those funds. Uh, have there been rulings that have come out, either court cases or otherwise, that uh, give some guidance uh, as to how those funds are, are, are to be used? Have, have there been those kinds of rules coming out of some uh, missteps taken by others? Our, our office actually has been contacted by a number of different uh, law firms uh, looking for assistance because they have cases where they settled the, client, the case for their clients a couple of years ago and the, the, their clients didn't know what to do with their MSA money or decided to do, you know, use the money for something else. And those folks, uh, their Medicare benefits are being stopped or discontinued or they're jeopardized. And they're going back to their attorney's offices in a panic. So those attorneys, uh, those law firms are calling us nowadays looking for some help and guidance with those situations. I'm sure they're concerned about, uh, you know, malpractice claims against them. Absolutely. Hey, Haney, what happens, you know, for the average person? They sell their case, they have their MSA fund, they get in times of need, and all of a sudden they're using those funds for, you know, buy a car, pay bills down, maybe maybe save their house from foreclosure. Uh, what are the consequences of, of misappropriating those funds? One of the, the consequences is for the injured worker is it will definitely jeopardize their Medicare benefits. Um, That's huge. When this happens they're going to be in a bind because they don't have the money anymore to pay for the medical care that they need. Medicare is not going to pay for their benefits anymore. And they're, uh, that puts the other, the rest of the party, like the carrier and the attorneys at risk as well. The carrier could have potential, uh, uh, exposure to, uh, double damages with Medicare. Mm-hmm. And the attorneys definitely face the potential of, uh, uh, malpractice allegations made against mm-hmm. them by the injured worker. And what options, Haney, do uh, do folks have when they're self-administering their own MSAs? And 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 maybe we can just piggyback that by you can maybe talk a little bit about what the cases are that are appropriate for professional administration. That's the real question, isn't it? And 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 I, I guess that that's what gives rise to all these issues you just mentioned. Uh, the self-administering individual who doesn't have good awareness of it. And the versus the professional administrator that can protect all these folks. Give us some insight into that. Absolutely. As far as the self-administration, what options do people have? There are services available uh, that will help the injured worker self-administer their Medicare set-aside fund. I would caution any of your listeners, when they look around and shop for companies uh, that offer self-administration services, they vary greatly. There are some that will give them a book or a, a binder and an 800 number, and there are others that will actually provide a service mm-hmm. and assistance to get the person through what they need to go through. So you're not wasting your money on, you know, a three-ring binder. Is, is it kind of uh, is it kind of you get what you pay for? <laughs> exactly. Unfortunately, the, the cost doesn't vary that much. So, you know, you're not going to get a, a $50 three-ring binder, they, they charge you closer to 1000 for that three-ring binder. Gotcha. Um, 
so the cost won't vary that much, but the service is, it's incredible the difference uh, in the services that are available, believe that or not. So as a professional administrator, Haney, what, what do you what do you do in terms of controlling the injured party's medical treatments? Well, when, when they have certain bills to pay, medical uh, services that they're going to have, what is your, what is the role of a professional administrator when that happens? One thing that I'd like to make very clear, as far as being a professional administrator, we are not adjusters. We get that question often, where are you going to be like the adjuster? Are you going to handle my case and tell me where to go and so on? And the answer is no. We are not going to uh, uh, control the injured worker's uh, treatments. We're not going to direct them where to go and where not to go. Our role is simply to keep the MSA funds for this injured worker uh, in compliance with Medicare's requirements so that we protect the injured worker's Medicare benefits, we protect uh, the carrier and their interests, and we protect the attorneys and the other parties involved in the settlement so that no one has any uh, exposure to uh, repercussions with the CME. Haney, what are some of the funding options for the MSAs or the fees for the MSA administration? Uh, the fortunate thing is the Medicare set-aside funds um, can be paid in a lump sum or funded through an annuity. So for uh, the structured settlement brokers in your audience, that's something that they might want to uh, consider um, having a separate annuity for the MSA funds. Mm-hmm. The fees for the administration, uh, especially professional administration, I can't really speak for other companies, but I can tell you for our company, we can set up the fees either way, prepaid in a lump sum with a discount or we can set it up in a separate annuity as well. That allows the, the adjuster to close their file as soon as the case is settled, and they also save some money by purchasing the annuity, um, which you know, would save them money down the road as far as the total cost and so on. And then for the broker, they get the benefit of the added uh, annuity um, to the case as well. Yeah, yeah, I think that's maybe the reason we're talking to you. <laughs> it's a good idea. It's a great It's a great idea. Well, let's take a short break right now, and we'll be right back with our special guest, Haney Abdel-Sayed, and my co-host, Angus Kennedy. We'll be right back. This is Ringler Radio from Ringler Associates. Quite simply, the undisputed leader in structured settlements for 35 years. Ringler Radio is celebrating its sixth year right here on the Legal Talk Network, produced by broadcast professionals. Ringler Associates, the only broker you need. Listen to all the Ringler Radio shows. Just go to ringlerassociates.com or legaltalknetwork.com and click on Ringler Radio and choose a topic. Since 1975, Wrangler Associates has provided the finest structured settlement services to all parties involved in the settling of physical injury claims. Experience counts. Over $23 billion in structures benefiting 166,000 injured individuals and their families. And one of the few companies that truly enjoys the trust of all parties in the settlement process. Did you know you can download Wrangler Radio to your iPod? Just go to iTunes and subscribe to the Legal Talk Network. It's free. Did you know Ringler Radio is one of the top three rated shows in iTunes? Thanks to all of our listeners who download all the Ringler Radio shows. We invite you to listen to other shows on the Legal Talk Network. It's free at www.legaltalknetwork.com. 
It's the office calling again. Don't answer it. Why not? I'm listening to Legal Talk Network podcasts to get my CLE credit in West Legal Ed Center. Oh, yeah. I need to do that, too. Where do I find them? It's easy. Just go to LegalTalkNetwork.com and pick a program for CLE, click on it, and start listening. Or go to WestLegalEdCenter.com and choose from any of the Legal Talk Network programs available for CLE. That's perfect. The office can wait. Welcome back to Ringler Radio. I'm your host, Larry Cohen, and our special guest today is Haney Abdel Syed from Rising Financial Solutions in Sacramento, California. And uh, we're discussing the world of Medicare set-asides and workers' compensation cases along with my co-host, Angus Kennedy. Uh, Haney, if, if structured, and we talked about you can either structure the Medicare set-aside or, or do a lump sum payment, what happens if, if we're structuring the case and the injured party runs out of money before the next annual funding? You know, we typically have an annual annuity coming out and a certain amount of money is in there. And uh, they spend that down. They spend more than that amount on some medical uh, situations in that given year. What happens to that individual at that point? You'd be surprised. That actually happens more often than most people realize. And what happens is, uh, as the administrators, we actually have to file paperwork with CMS to uh, both show them where the money went and also to notify Medicare that uh, there is no more money in the MSA fund until the next funding date. And then we request that Medicare pick up coverage. And so they actually become the primary payer until the next funding date. When that date comes, we file some more paperwork to with, with CMS and we put them on notice that they are no longer the primary payer, that the MSA fund is now the primary and uh, we would be uh, picking up coverage and paying the bills out of the MSA fund again until the money runs out and we notify them once more. What if they don't spend all the money during that fiscal year? Can they withdraw the excess? I wish I could say it goes into a special vacation fund for me, but that's not necessarily the case. <laughs> um, if they don't use all the funds in the account uh, in the in the given year, then they don't get to withdraw that amount. It actually rolls over to the following year. So the following year, they have the rolled over amount plus the regular annual funding amount. They have to spend prior to Medicare picking up coverage after that. Well, that, that makes sense. Well, many carriers, Haney, and also employers are paying uh, lots of money to fund these MSAs. And of course, they're intended to pay for the future medical costs. But what happens uh, a few years into the, into the deal, the annuity set up, the monies are flowing out, or it was a lump sum payment that was put in there, uh, and, then, uh, and then the individual dies. Uh, who gets that money? Uh, that's actually an excellent way for carriers to recover some of the funds that they uh, have to pay on these cases. Unfortunately, not many carriers uh, are either aware of this option or utilize this option. So when we set up the account, we, we include a reversionary clause in there. And then once we learn that the person has passed, after we file the paperwork with CMS and do what we're supposed to do uh, after a person dies, uh, whatever remaining funds are in that account would actually go back to the carrier. So that's a way for them to recover some of this money that uh, they're having to pay on these MSAs um, you know, today. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they could recover that back down the road. Well, that's interesting. Haney, do uh, MSAs have anything to do with mandatory insurer reporting laws? Directly, no. Indirectly, absolutely. 
With the new mandatory reporting law, every carrier and every primary payer out there, whether it's a liability claim or group health or workers' comp, all primary payers are now required by law to report any cases that they have involving a Medicare beneficiary. So what that does is it it uh, gives Medicare uh, visibility of all claims involving their people or their Medicare beneficiaries. They can now take that those those lists of cases and all this data of all these cases that they weren't aware of that have existing claims, and they can match it up with their database to uh, do a couple of things. One, recover any past payments that they've made, but I, they can also once the case settled and they get word that because it gets reported that case is settled, they can flag it on their system that this case should have uh, a Medicare set aside. And then they can monitor those cases with the Medicare set aside to see if the funds are being uh, used appropriately and if uh, the person is, is complying with all of CMS's requirements. So when People say the mandatory reporting law is in effect. We're going to have to do MSAs on every case. No, that's not the intent of the law, but the indirect intent is to protect Medicare's interests and to make sure that uh, people are doing what they're supposed to be doing um, as far as uh, protecting Medicare's interests. Haney, to wrap up, what would you say uh, from all the things we've talked about today? What's the what's the biggest takeaway our audience should have from this discussion? Uh, is it is it to uh, be more cognizant of using and needing professional administration uh, for these claimants who who may essentially uh, you know make a lot of mistakes on their own, or 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 just what? what? What do you want the audience to take away? I think it's very important for the audience to understand and realize. Medicare compliance is as important after the settlement as it is at the time of the settlement. So if they get anything else out of this, that's what I'm hoping that they need at the time when they settle the case, they have to be thinking what's going to happen in the future post settlement. And they need to make sure that the injured worker has the tools that they need to do the right thing. And two, in the event the injured worker chooses not to stay in compliance, that they themselves are protected from uh, potential uh, liabilities down the road. Well, there's no question that uh, I'm sure Medicare uh, prefers to see those structured settlements because sometimes if these plaintiffs on a self-directed plan have a lump sum of cash in there and they misspend it, it's a real problem for everybody. And at least uh, everyone's protected to some extent through the through the fact that the structure is going to be flowing annually over time. So I think, uh, Haney, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. Uh, Angus, uh, you, you as well. Uh, Haney, if someone wanted to get in touch with you, how would they do that? Uh, my phone number is 916 area code 724-2646. Or, of course, they can always email me at Haney, H-A-N-Y dot Abdel Sayed, A-B-D-E-L-S-A-Y-E-D, at risingfs.com. Terrific. Uh, and, Angus, if someone wanted to contact you, how would they do that? Well, you can always go to ringlerassociates.com, our website. Uh, you could get a hold of me at my toll-free number, 866-485-0015, or email, which would be akennedy at ringlerassociates.com. And Angus, I know you do an awful lot of these Medicare set-aside workers' comp cases out here in California, and uh, I think you're uh, probably as well-steeped in this as anybody, so I'm awfully glad we had you here on the show today. And for all of you out there who want to reach any Ringler Associate, ringlerassociates.com. Uh, you can find all of us, and our, actually our website is being uh, 
fixed, and it's a brand new looking, wonderful looking new website, and we're going to be launching it uh, shortly. So uh, look for that. And if you want to have Ringler Radio uh, on your iPod, just go to ringlerassociates.com and click on the Ringler Radio link or legaltalknetwork.com, and also the Ringler Radio link is found there. So for all of you, that go out and have a great day. And uh, Haney and uh, Angus, thanks for being with us again. Take care. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network. Its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to Ringler Radio. In its sixth year on Legal Talk Network with over a half a million listeners, Ringler Associates, where experience counts. Since 1975, Ringler Associates has provided the finest structured settlement services to all parties involved in physical injury claims. Ringler Radio is made possible in part by the life markets that issue structured settlement annuities, including Allstate, American General, Liberty Life, MetLife, New York Life, John Hancock, and Prudential.